us that fathers are not necessary. If you look at Hollywood, or uh, sadly, we, we often do single motherhood, it's not a reg- regrettable situation. In fact, it's often portrayed as a viable choice. I mean, who needs a man around when uh, having a child without a father is, is so trendy now? It's so in. In fact, stop and think about the movies you've seen, the television programs you've seen, and, and remember how they depict fa- families without fathers. And often when father is around, he's displayed as kind of a bumbling idiot. You know, the New York Times editorial cultural critic Karen James, she actually encouraged women to pursue motherhood without a husband. Here's what she said, quote, Women who want children do not need or necessarily want a spouse underfoot. End of quote. Spouse underfoot. And here we see fathers portrayed not only as inessential, but just another one of life's irritations. And you say, okay, so uh, we don't need Father's Day. Let's remove the fathers and let's see what we get. 85% of youth in prison are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 71% of dropouts, 62% of youth suicides. Dad was not around. So what do these numbers mean to us this morning and why are we focusing on this today? Any community that allows a large number of young men to grow up in broken families, never acquiring these stable relationship with male authority, is asking for and will get chaos. And so that's why we need to focus on dads and men this morning. Men, you know, really, that's why the ministry of Windover Hills, I believe, is so important to our community, to those that you work with. You may know that one of our top priorities here at Wendover is to reach men. It's not our only priority, but it's one of our priority. Because we believe that if you can impact a man for Jesus Christ, then that man is pretty incredible at impacting their whole family for Jesus Christ. According to some research done done by Dave Morrow, 90% of men in America say they believe in God. 83% call themselves Christians. 33% say that they've attended church sometime uh, regularly. And then, but really, some experts say as little as 15% actually attend church on any given Sunday. In other words, I believe the largest group of unchurched people in America is men. Why is that? Because really, men don't see church as male-friendly at all. They see it as a place for women, no risk, no adventure. In fact, you, you ask uh, most of the men where are male-friendly places, and church rarely fits onto the list. We have a desire to be different here at Wendover. So what type of man is God looking for to to impact our world for Jesus Christ? What type of man is it going to take to be a difference maker in our culture? Men, this morning, I know that your men aren't always the note takers, but this morning I want you to grab onto the three things that we're going to talk about. Write them down on your hand if you don't have paper. I think they're that important this morning. First of all, I believe God is looking for men who are adventurous. You may remember the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's a story about two armies, one on one side of the hill and the other on the other side of the hill. It's the Philistines and the Israelites. And every day for 40 days, the Philistines would send out their big guy, their giant, Goliath. And he would come out and he would taunt and say, you know, send me somebody to fight. And every day, for 40 days, no Israelite would step forward. They were terrified. They, they weren't fighting men at that point. They were, they were wimps. No adventure. 
And then one day, David, a teenage boy, shows up not to fight, but to bring his brothers some food. And he hears what's going on, how this giant is talking bad things about the almighty God. And he says, well, I'll take him on. Take a look at verse 24 in 1 Samuel 17. Your servant has been keeping your father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, what did I do? I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. He says in 36, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Why? Because he has defiled the armies of the living God. He says, I killed a bear, I killed a lion, and in verse 37, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And you know what happened. The young man was a man of adventure. John Eldridge is the author of Wild at Heart, and he says, every man's heart has a desperate drive for three things. A man wants a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. Most men here understand that and even know how to translate that into their own life. It's why we love going to the movies and we see things like Gladiator and Braveheart or Robin Hood, Rocky, movies like that. It's why we can sit and watch them over and over on TNT or those stations because we're drawn to that. Remember a few years ago the story of Aaron Ralston? The movie 127 Hours was, was based on his life. He was a mountain climber who had uh, climbed 59 of the highest peaks in Colorado, and he was climbing Utah Canyons, uh, Canyonlands National Park, and he was on his way down a steep mountain. He was only 60 feet from the, the bottom of the canyon floor when he was pinned under an 800-foot, eight, excuse me, 800-pound boulder, and he was unable to move his arm for five days. His water ran out, and he knew if he didn't do something dramatic that he was going to die. So the next day, he decided to pull out his dull pocket knife, and he cut off his arm below his elbow in an attempt to save his life. And after he cut off his arm, he repelled 60 feet down to the canyon floor. He walked six miles until he ran into a Dutch couple who helped him get some medical attention. Park ranger Steve Swanky, who uh, he coordinated the rescue effort, and he said, I've been doing search and rescue for 23 years. I've never seen anything like it. He was just a phenomenal individual with an unbelievable will to live. Now, when I share that story or you see the movie, you know, I'm talking about a guy who took out a dull pocket knife and hacked off his arm to save his life. You know, many, many people would say, oh, that's gross. That's disgusting. Why are we sharing that in church? But men, we often rise up and say, that, that's awesome. <laughs> that dude is tough. Or I'd like to meet that guy. Why aren't men, more men seeking this type of adventure with God? Because in many ways, I believe today, our culture, men are being taught to act more like women, and women are being taught to act more like men. Look at the commercials today. And most men are more into their own appearance than they are into adventure. In fact, today, I think our culture often is confusing us to what God has designed a man to be about. We're simply taught just to be gentle and tender and not strong and adventurous. Nothing wrong with gentle and tender, but the strong and adventurous is missing. And why is that? Because so many kids today are growing up in homes without fathers. It's my conviction that a young man will never get true masculinity from his mother or his peers. He will only get it from his father or a company of men. He needs a dad who will look him in the eye and tell him, look, son, you have what it takes. 
God's looking for men who are adventurous. Do you know Exodus 15.3 says the Lord is a warrior? Jesus was a risk taker. He had this mission to change the world with 12 men that nobody had ever even heard of. He was a risk taker. Jesus took on the, the money changers. He took on the religious leaders. Men, if you want to be a man of adventure, follow the example of Jesus Christ. Secondly, this morning, God is looking for men who are authentic. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 2.10, You are my witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. That's authenticity. Holy, righteous, and blameless. The word authenticity and integrity in Scripture, it's the same word. It means that our life is integrated. It means we're complete and whole. We're consistent. And our faith and our values that we speak of match up into how we live our lives every day. What are some ways, men, that that we can be authentic? Well, first, simply, I think we can walk our talk. You know what I'm talking about? That we walk our talk. Do what you say you're going to do. I mean, let's not tell our children never to lie, and then when the phone call rings and they want to talk to us, and we tell our kids, shh, don't tell them I'm not here. Or let's not wear, you know, those WWJD bracelets on our wrist, and, and yet then we go home from our office with uh, office supplies in our pockets that, that don't belong to us. Or, or let's not uh, happily wave at people on the way out of church, and then, you know, our our traffic is a little tight getting out sometimes, and we uh, get a little aggressive and maybe even use hand gestures on the way out uh, to, to people a different kind of waving. Let's not do that. Or we can't talk about how terrible the morality is in our culture today, and yet if the stats hold true, two out of five men go home and watch porn on the computer. Walking our talk. A person who is authentic and consistent is a person who walks what they talk. A while back, the Fort Star... Uh, telegram decided to put their county's integrity to a test with some which is a little simple experiment they took five wallets and five purses and they put fifty dollars in each of them and with an id it had names and phone numbers and they just kind of sat back and waited to see what would happen they waited for about a week and guess what three out of ten of those wallets or purses were returned One of them was from a sonic manager in Coleyville, Texas, named Mike Lermer. Mike said, I don't care if there was $1,000 in there. I would have returned it because my family instilled values in me. Then he says, I'm trying to be a good role model for my son. That's authenticity. That's being willing to walk the talk. Next, if you want to be a person of integrity, we need to keep our promises. Dad, we need to keep our promises to our kids the number one resentment that kids have is broken homes, in, 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 is broken promises, excuse me, from their parents. You know, I say this not simply because I, I read the research, but because I've lived it in my own family with my kids, even at their young age, and I suspect you have as well. To a child, when you say probably or perhaps or maybe, you know, all they hear is yes, 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 yes. So don't mention something if you're not going to follow through. If they say, well, you come to my school program and, and you know you have a conflict in your schedule, don't say, well, we'll try to work it out if, if you know you really have no intention of being able to be there. Just be honest. Only mention out loud what you can actually do. It's a great lesson for all of us. The Bible puts it quite simply in Matthew five thirty seven. It says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Keep your promises. Keep your promises to your kids. But men, we have to keep our promises to our wife. 
We have to be a promise keeper at home with her and honor our vows. Do you remember when you made those? Honor them. Remain sexually pure and faithful in your marriage. It's amazing the stats today on men that have not remained sexually pure with their spouse. And it's a growing stat. Men, the best thing you can do for your kids is to love their mother. Bar none, the best thing you can do. The influence you can have. In our culture today, I just believe that if a husband and wife are committed to one another and they're committed to Jesus Christ, that I don't care what academically the scores are or if your kid's an all-star or if they don't even play, if mom and dad love each other and love Jesus, that kid is guaranteed a head start towards success if mom and dad will put that into practice in their life. So keep your promises. Be adventurous. Live it up. Be authentic, stand up, and men, be available. Dad, let's just show up, huh? How about if we show up? If we're going to make a difference, we've just got to be available, available to our families. If, we're, if I was going to preach a sermon on uh, family 52 weeks out of the year, I probably would use this passage most every week because it's so profound. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7. Take a look. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home or when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. If we're going to transfer values to our kids, first of all, we have to be intentional. It's not going to happen by accident. Don't assume just because you come to church, mom and dad, that your kids are automatically going to grow up loving Jesus. It doesn't always work that way. You have to be intentional about sharing your faith in Jesus Christ to your kids day after day after day. Also, interesting one, be informal. In other words, be, be careful to teach in informal ways. Formality in teaching your kids about Jesus often doesn't work the same way as it does when you're here in a church setting. Have you ever tried to have family devotions at your house? Um, we have for many years, and, and we do it. But early on, the family would say something like, you know, oh, great, preacher. Uh, Here comes another sermon. Uh, We heard one already this week. We don't need another sermon. And I'm thinking, like, wait a second. How do I instill these qualities on my kids? How do I teach them uh, if I know formal devotion times are somewhat hit or miss around the house? And we've learned to do it better. But I believe the most powerful thing we landed on was informal teaching. You know, what do I mean? It just means... We comment on life's events that are in front of us as they happen. As they happen. As we go around, we help our kids just to be a student of life and what God would want us to do. For example, if you're at the mall and you see some disrespectful kids mouthing off to their parents, you pull your kids aside and you say, hey, what is that about? What do you, what do you think they're honoring? Or if you see a family in the mall, they're sitting and praying in the food court before they eat their meal, you pull your family together and say, hey, what does that look like? What do you think they value there? Or when you turn on your TV, you see a multi-million dollar athlete, right? And they have bad sportsmanship and they're shouting profanity. Uh, do you let that go? Do you let it just pass? Or do you use that opportunity to, to teach a Christ value into your kids? Those life values, they happen around us all the time. We don't even have to go looking for them. We just simply, as they happen in an informal way, interact with our kids about what Jesus would do and what God would have for us in these situations. Hands down, it's the best way to instill God values with our kids. And guess what? The classroom never closes in those situations. It's always open. So be intentional and formal. And and parents and dads, be inspirational. 
Talk about the joys of knowing and serving God and what that brings to your life. Just because you go to church doesn't mean your kids are going to grow up loving church. In fact, when I became a Christian as a teenager, I would often hear people in church who would complain. Complain about the sermon. Complain about the music. Complain about the volume level. Complain about church. Hear, hear, this and that. And they're often surprised when their kids grow up and they're not very excited about Jesus. Because all they heard was negativity. They never heard about the joy of what Christ brings our life in living for him and what it brings. So talk to your kids about that. Talk to them about the joy. Talk to them about the head start in life they'll have if they live those principles that are grounded in, in Christ Jesus. So if you're available to your families, how do, we, uh, how do we make our families a priority? How does practically that work out? Well, quite simply, I think we just spend time with our family. Our women went away to camp this week, about 34 of them, excuse me, retreat, they hate when I say camp, uh, this week, about 34 of them went away. And many of us men, we were the guy at home all weekend long. And we learned a few things, what to do and maybe what not to do, or we're thinking and processing, how do I cover it up in the next few hours when mom comes back home? But you know what? This weekend, we were there. You spent time. You were with your kids. Whether it was forced or by choice, you spent time this weekend spending time with your family. Just be there. As much as I need to, I need to hear this probably as much as you dads, but man, let's just turn off the cell phones at times, huh? Every time we answer that phone when our kids are around, we're we're really communicating to them, my time with you is of less value than my time with this person. How about we schedule one night a week for family night and just turn off the TV or just halt that crazy activity schedule? Did you know that there is no law or requirement that your kids have to be involved in activities every night of the week? You're not going to jail if you halt it for a night and spend time as a family. Play games together, go to the park, eat together, do what you do, but do it together. You've got to be available to your family, but men, we have to be available to God. I want you to really focus in on this, in this last part of the message this morning. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord and with, with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Has to be a model for us dads in our family. Do you ever feel like you're just getting a little overwhelmed in your family? You're not quite sure what to do? You're looking for your escape? This verse is powerful to speak into us in those times. So dads, how do we depend on God? First, give him first place in your heart. I don't know about you, but one of my struggles often is that I tend to live for myself. Any of you ever deal with that? Yeah? Yeah? Two of you? Okay, the rest of you are lying. Um, But isn't it true? I mean, we often get up and without verbalizing the words, we often think about, man, what do I need to do for myself today? If we add into the culture and into what we see, whether it's TV or, or movies or whatnot, we tend to understand that it's engraved there. I deserve it. It's about me. But you know, we'll never be happy living for ourselves. Never. We'll only find true joy when we have God first, others second, and ourself last. That's the order and that's the focus. And we have to learn that, men. We have to give God first place in our heart. We need to give him the first hour of every day. Get up every day and read your Bible, men. Get up and plan out your day with God. 
Get up and say, God, I've got these appointments today that I'm going, to be, I'm going to be meeting, and some of them are good and some of them might not be good. I need you to go before me and work those out. Or God, if you have a time today that you want me to, to speak up for you, I'm willing to do it. Just show me how and give me your wisdom. Begin each day with him. I know your schedules. I know the, the school bus routes and all of that that goes into your morning schedule. I, I live it and fight it myself just the same as you. But there is no equivalent you can find in your life than getting up each day and spending your first moments with the Lord. Your first moments in God's word, letting him speak to you. Give, <clears throat> give him the first dime of every dollar. We've got to put God first in our finances. The saying goes, 90% of, with God goes a lot farther than 100% without God. You know, this church, we've had good expressions of this type of commitment to God. We had a, a great first half, a little slow in our second half of the year, but a good first half of our year. And many of you are, are, are committing to this type of expression of worship in your finances, in your tithes and offering. And I get a, a, some emails that you've said you actually have more at the end of the week, unexplainable, with the 90% than you did before because you're trusting God. But men, if you've not let God move in your heart in this area of availability, then you're missing a huge aspect of spiritual growth and an opportunity and a powerful way to influence your family and your kids. Give first consideration in every opportunity. Don't be afraid to boldly share Jesus Christ. And I realize where you go uh, that there is often people that have no interest in Jesus and what he has to offer. But be bold. You know, starting now, we really, as a group of men and as a church, we can be men who are simply choose to be bold. Men, do you mind just saying that with me? Be bold. Yeah, that wasn't very bold. <laughs> be bold. You don't have to be weird. Just be bold. Share Jesus when the opportunities come up. This past year, Wendover Hills has grown about 60 people, and I believe a big part of that is you have been willing to be bold. You've said, I'm not afraid to share about Jesus. I'm not afraid to, to offer an invite. You said, God has changed my life, and you'd like to see what happened. Why don't you come along with me? Here's an interesting stat. You may not have known this, and I have, really have no way of understanding or explaining this. A man is more likely to come to church invited by another man five times to a woman inviting another woman. I don't know. I don't understand that stat. I just know it's there. So men, let's be bold and get out and keep, keep inviting. Keep it up. But let's be sure also, men, that we are bold with our families. Bold at home with our kids in sharing about Christ. So men, what type of man do you want to be? Adventurous, authentic, and available? That's the way you're going to lead your family. And that's the way that you will be the man of God he's designed you. So men, no more excuses. No reasons why it's hard or are reasons that we're busy. Let's be the man God has called us to be. Let's rise up and be that guy. In your family, in this church, at your work, when you're hanging out with your friends, be that guy. If you're a man like me who wants that, you want to be adventurous, authentic, and available for God and, and lead your family and your life in this way, then you probably have realized you can't do it alone, right? It's why the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Three things really quick I'd encourage you, every man to do. Number one, rally your family around the word of God. 
every day without fail, feed your family from the Bible. Secondly, bring your family to church every week. Show up, be involved, serve together, be taught together, worship alongside one another. And third, latch on to a couple men to hold you responsible. Be vulnerable before someone. You received men a card when you came in this morning. It says triangles on it. These triangles, it's just an easy way for you to be part of a 30-minute weekly accountability. 30 minutes as a way to be vulnerable before each other. 30 minutes to be with guys who want to lead their life and their family in the ways we've talked about this morning. You can sign up at the back on our, our welcome center. Just write it on one of the cards that's, that's in the pocket in front of you. Just write triangles on it and we'll get you an email with everything this week. As we finish, I've asked Brian Boer to come and to, to close out our teaching with a song this morning. And as he, as he sings this and you hear the words or you hear whatever it is the Lord has spoken to you dads about or men about this morning, this is your opportunity to be reflective and go before God. I realize in the manly world, sitting back and being reflective is not often what we choose to do. But this is your time, your two and a half or three minutes to really go before God. And then when he's done, I'd like to pray for you. All right, men, if you're a man, stand to your feet for a second as we finish up this morning. Yeah, I don't know what Dave's saying. That's a pretty good looking group. Huh? Man, we need to be bold and live as the way that God has designed for us. And it's amazing the impact we can have at our work, in our families, and in this church as well. Would you be bold and read the following with me? Just read after me. I'm a man of God. And I will lead my family in a way that honors Him. Stay where you're at. I want to pray with you. Father, for these men, I just want to pray as you're, as you're in and among us this morning and as you're seeing these guys stand, Lord, that I would just pray, Father, this morning that this would be a group that could surrender entirely, myself included, to you. Lord, there's so much incredible stuff you would have for us. But, Lord, it starts at our home with our spouse, with our kids. Lord, there may be a, a man this morning who doesn't have the spouse and the kids, but you are preparing them for that in their future. And, Father, I just pray that this would be the moment for each of us that we would walk forward committed to being bold men, adventurous men, authentic, and available to you, Lord, to impact our families. And, Lord, one day that when we look back, we will know that, Lord, we had a great ministry for you and whatever you called us to be. But, Lord, we'd know that we had a great home that you helped us to establish through you. Lord, I know that there's some guys in here that they've already blown it. They've already messed up. They look and they go, I don't even know how to rectify what's going on in my my family or with my wife. But Father, this morning, if your word holds true, you want to bring healing. You want our marriages to thrive and you want our relationships with our kids to be incredible. Lord, so we pray and we claim your promises and this would be the beginning point. Lord, we know it could be hard And when the hard parts come, Lord, would you just remind us, stay committed. Stay committed. Your promises reign true. And so, Lord, help these guys as they go home and and some of them greet their spouse this afternoon as they come from women's retreats. Lord, I don't even know what this week holds, but help these men as they go before you. Lord, we pray that many of them would commit to the triangles, a 30-minute way just to be accountable before another Christian man. 
what an impact that can be in their life. We pray this all in your son's name, claiming your promises. Amen. Why don't you stand where you're at and the rest of you join us, if you would, and we're going to finish off going as at a time of worship. Our ushers are going to come and receive our morning offering, so if you would, stay faithful to that commitment uh, to the 10% as the Bible teaches uh, this morning. All right, the Lord bless you.